Welcome back to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. I'm currently in the process of putting together season three. For season three, we have an exciting line of experts, academics, entrepreneurs talking about a wide range of topics from the future of Asia, diversity, education technology, social media, well, just to name a few. While we get season three up and running, in this episode, I thought I'd share with you the best nuggets from our previous seasons. Enjoy the show! In 2017, I decided to leave the corporate life and become an entrepreneur. After many years of global learning and development experiences, I wanted to help organizations to foster a learning culture and improve employee engagement. However, I discovered that many organizations had fixed mindset, which is that learning can only happen in the traditional classroom. Determined to show that learning can happen at any time and anywhere, I started the Leaders of Learning podcast. It was my way to help organizations learn. The Leaders of Learning podcast was a success, with the show being featured on iTunes and CastBox and with listeners from over 120 countries. Season 2 was launched with a wide range of topics and diverse speakers. They can be grouped into three main sections, which is the future, self-development, and becoming a leader. The season started off with a curious question. What does it mean to be a leader in Asia? This question was nagging me because I was researching leadership models for a training program and was frustrated that there were limited content around Asian leaders and their styles. Fueled by this question, I sought out the expertise of Samuel Kim, CEO and founder of Center for Asia Leadership. Here, Samuel shares his views on Asian leadership. I feel that, I mean, they, of course, they, you know, just like what you said, there are many different ways of defining leadership. Uh, but one of the definition I have is the ones who are able to pay attention to the problems, uh, the collective problems. Collective problems basically means that it's everyone's problem. And today we see that problem is not just, you know, affecting you. I mean, it's affecting basically all, uh, everyone. Now, it's really a matter of whether you are able to pay attention uh, besides whatever the work uh, that you do, you know, you have your own job scope and you have your own things that you should be accountable for to your boss for making a living. But at the same time, going a little bit further down and, you know, taking up that responsibility to really look into uh, what we call the collective challenge. Or in other words, we can call this things that are decaying in our society. So there are a lot of things that we, you know, in fact, that's happening. And, and so do we have the courage to look after, pay attention, and, and, and really want to take up to resolve uh, these issues that we see? Otherwise, if we just leave it as it is, just like how I mentioned it to you, um, you know, we have the arrogance, the ignorance issues. You know, we have a lot of uh, these issues that we see around that I was able to find out, you know, uh, how do we do, deal with a lot of these failures? The system breakdowns, the lack of learning, right? And you know, overuse or misuse of power and authority. When I was at the UN, I mean, I, basically, I was uh, looking after all, about forty over a conflict uh, in the world at the time. I, I was at the Security Council, 
And what I noticed was that these were basically all uh, man-made uh, problems, uh, human-made problems. And why can't we work together to make our world a better place? When we choose to follow a leader, we listen to their vision, observe their behavior, how they treat others as well as the values these leaders hold. Chris Chu, a cognitive leadership coach, shares his views about leadership and their values. Good leadership needs to start with good self-leadership. And good self-leadership needs to start from good self-awareness. And self-awareness comes from our ability to uh, have good understanding about our own value judgments. So the way I would then link leadership with value and value judgments is that first understand how you value things, your value judgments. So that's measured from the VQ. Then once you understand that, then the second part, which I mentioned earlier, cultivate that mindful awareness of when you get triggered and how you make those decisions. Uh, this will then help you become a much better leader and align in the moment decisions with the values, the big values that you say uh, you value, or with the big values of the organization that as a leader, you are espousing. I mean, the impact will be, will be actually very big impact on the organization and the people that they lead, because there's very little awareness of their own value judgment. So others in the organization will perceive this leader as someone who's not really living the values that, that he is espousing. For example, if you have a leader who is uh, saying innovation is important, but in the moment, in the way he manages his staff, he picks at every little mistake that the staff make. Mm -hmm. So this sense, the perception, right? People will perceive this person as not, you don't really value innovation because in order for innovation to happen, the mistakes need to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you need to allow mistakes because innovation arises from mistakes. So that's an example of a huge impact for a leader whose value judgment is not aligned with the values of the organization. Leadership is not a title. Leaders have a purpose. They have a vision. To carry out their vision, leaders will need to speak up on things that matter. Things that matter could be making the world a better place or solve an almost impossible problem. Andrea Edwards, who is known as the digital conversationalist, shares her views on the need for leaders to speak up. So that's a question, time that it takes comes up all the time. And one of my answers is always, okay, so how many times do you have the same conversation with different customers? Every single time the C-level execs say, yeah, I'm having the same conversation over and over and over again. So you hear a question once, you hear it twice, you hear it three times from different customers. That's a topic that should be answered in your, in your social profile. So by answering mm -hmm. it, you don't have to keep having the same conversation. You can take your customer forward to the next stage of the conversation. So it actually, if you do it well, and if you do it from the perspective of answering customer need, whoever your customer is to you, because it can be an internal customer or an external customer, because not everybody's in a mm -hmm. sales role or business development role, right? But it's, it's right. an opportunity to actually save you time. And, you know, the whole time thing, I mean, there's, I find a lot of people are still doing things today that are actually already redundant, but because the business knows how to do it, it knows how to measure it, they continue to do it 
because they don't know how to adapt the business to get ready for the future. So a lot of the feedback that I get is salespeople, marketing people, HR people, that, that I get active as social leaders. If their boss isn't bought into the idea of it, they don't value mm. giving their employees the time to go out there and embrace it. So getting the top people brought right. into it is really important. But everybody has a voice today. Everybody has a presence today. And maximising on your entire employer, whether you've got 10 employees, one employee or 200,000 employees, getting them out there on social, acting with authenticity, with integrity, with honour, is a very, mm-hmm. very powerful tool for business today. So it's just about reprioritising and stopping doing something that doesn't serve your business anymore. So it's, it's a big change. We had a number of speakers to talk about topics around self-development. And this is where one's learning never stops after graduation. I believe that with every breath within you, there is always an opportunity to learn and grow. So for season two, we had wonderful speakers who spoke about different aspects of personal and professional development. We first spoke to Sheena Yap Chan, a self-confidence expert, and she shares her advice on building self-confidence. Yeah, I mean, first off, just believe that you do have that confidence to go out there and do it. I think belief is really huge because without that belief, you're not going to go out there and do it, right? If you keep thinking, you know, I can't do this. This is not for me. People have told me it's not possible. Everything's possible if you put your mind to it, right? And just, you know, take little steps. It doesn't have to be huge. Like I mentioned, you can start by saying something nice about yourself or write something that you're grateful for, or maybe start something new or start your hobbies or start, you know, whatever it is that you've wanted to start for the longest time, right? It really is just taking action and just not even overthinking it, just doing it, right? Because when you tend to overthink everything, it's just like, you're not going to end up doing it. I know from experience, it's happened to me so many times, even up to now, I still do it. And I just have to realize like, why am I fretting? Like, you know, I'm just going to do it and just see what happens, right? Kind of like learning to let go of the outcome. People are emotional beings. We get angry, sad, happy, frustrated, joyful, as well as a whole range of emotional experiences. But we find that emotions are difficult to describe or express, especially when we are going through them ourselves. We might be fearful in showing how we truly feel, afraid that others will judge us to be weak or incompetent. As Brene Brown has proven, Otherwise, in her research on shame, sharing or expressing one's emotions can be empowering and enable us to build stronger connections. We spoke to seasoned art therapist, Eva Sun, who shares her views on the importance of emotional literacy. I wouldn't really like to call them negative because they are just difficult feelings that sometimes we find it difficult to sit with, but they are not inherently negative. If we have negative feelings and, you know, at the core in our unconscious, um, we are feeling inadequate, uh, not good enough, and but we don't get to the root of the problem and we try to cover all these feelings of inadequacy or sadness or grief or anger or loss, maybe loss of someone, loss of a job, 
yeah, loss of a person that is close to us and then cover it with um, positive thinking is actually defeats its purpose. Yeah, because you are just kind of like covering things. You don't really go to the root and heal it and to, to find what is bothering you, but you're actually distracting yourself. I think some people call spiritual bypassing. People think that they um, are a good person if they constantly you know, strive to be better. I think that's the dark side of this self-improvement movement as well. Like we strive to become better, mm-hmm. strive to achieve more, mm-hmm. and then strive to be positive and to create this front where we are okay. But actually, at the core, we are not. And it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, it's okay to not be positive all the times. It's not human actually <laughs> to have to be positive all the time. Most of the time, it is not so fun to learn on your own. And our learning process might be slower too. There is power, support, encouragement that comes with learning within a community. We invited renowned community builder and the co-founder of Connected Women, Gina Romero, to share with us her thoughts on learning within a community. I mean, it's literally a matter of just talking to your members a lot and asking them, like, would you enjoy it? Like, what sort of topics would you like in the future? And there's a lot of expertise within the room, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, actually, at the moment, since we launched in 2013 in Singapore, Connected Women doesn't have any core content or training. Mm. Like all of the content is provided by our members because there's so much expertise in the community or through partners. So where we have, for example, especially the technology partners, they're so essential for us because they bring the most up-to-date content about how to use their tools. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we always look for the sort of training content providers from within the community and then through tech partners that we can work with outside you know, I've learned as well because of my own personal experience. I mean, when I first joined the Athena Network, my mentor, who's a really dear friend of mine now, was the one who encouraged me to speak. Because I had expertise in, in technology that the members didn't have, but I didn't have the expertise in public speaking. So I was afraid to get up and speak and share about my expertise because of my, you know, because of my fear of public speaking, because I didn't really feel that I was, I would be good at training. But, you know, I remember at that time, she said, look, it's not about being the best speaker. It's about sharing what you know. And even if that helps like one or two people in the room, that will be really valuable. So I really took that kind of like philosophy into everything that I do. And like, we've had speakers at events where they've never spoken before. Because the challenge is, if you've never spoken before, how will you ever get to the stage where you're like a confident speaker, right? (laughs) So it's really a catch-22. Some people say one of the best ways to learn is to ask the right questions. However, after speaking to veteran broadcaster Tamor Nobili, he says it depends on the answer and our ability to listen to those answers. Let's hear his views on what makes a good question and what makes a good answer. Well, like I say, I mean, right now, I'm very much of the mind, and perhaps it's my age, you know, but I've moved away from the the Paxman hard talk, combat them, hit them until until they bleed sort of approach. 
to getting truth out of people. And I'm much more engaged with the ideas of Daniel Kahneman and the, the reality, the understanding all of a sudden that the way we humans think is not logical, is not the result uh, of process and logic and categorization and thought and analysis and understanding. 90% of the time, it's pure emotion. We make up answers that seem right because that's, that's the easiest way out of the situation. I mean, the, the, the heuristic that we all adopt is to say, I will respond to this question according to the information that I have, according to the feelings that I have about the situation, and according to what I think that the questioner will be satisfied with. Those aspects of, of human interaction, to me these days, are very fascinating. And I think in the future, the people who, the interviewers and the journalists who begin to understand these kind of behavioral dynamics will be much, much better positioned to get decent answers and more insightful comments and conversations from the people they talk to. Technological and social forces are transforming the world. These forces are shaping industries and subsequently the way we work and learn. We have three amazing speakers who share their views on the future of work as well as upcoming learning technologies. We first spoke to King Coronel, CEO of Lumos Education Solutions, as he shares his views about using augmented reality and virtual reality for learning. Okay, our learners today love technology. VR and AR provides immersive learning experience. There was actually a study done by the International Research Agency in Europe that found that VR and AR, when used in classroom, attention level soars up to 92%. And on average, 86% of the students improved their test results. So imagine having a high-cost and high-risk environments. You are able to take your learners to those environments, most of the time you will be restricted uh, because you don't have enough budget. But with VR, you can actually take them and have them experience something and actually save money. Let's say you wanted to have people bring people to an oil rig or a radiation plant or something that uh, maybe also like a health and safety issue. Okay, normally bringing a person or bringing a, a whole class of people to an oil rig would be very expensive. So what this does is that uh, you can actually have a simulated environment of what an oil rig would look like and have them perform their training in that environment and um, not worried about having the risk. Cryptocurrency started nearly 10 years ago with an anonymous group that wanted to decentralize the use of money. The technology in which cryptocurrency was built on is called blockchain. Today, many apps, software, and platform use blockchain for its security features, as well as allowing greater accessibility to products and services like never before. We spoke to Richard Magol, 
CEO and co-founder of Odem. Odem is an education platform built on blockchain. I think, as you mentioned earlier, most people recognize blockchain as the technology or the foundation of cryptocurrency trading, like Bitcoin, EOS, Ethereum, all the major, the top five type of、uh, very successful trading coins. But the truth is that the blockchain technology is much more. I try to really try to explain it in very simple terms. If you can imagine a file folder of information, and this file folder typically lives in a file cabinet, but with the distributed ledger, the file folder actually lives on thousands and thousands of computers. They store the records of every transaction throughout history. And what I really like about this is that there's no one person or entity owns or completes. Or has complete control of another person's information. So this is the whole difference between the centralized systems and decentralized systems. So if you look at from a school perspective, a centralized system is an education institute or a university. What we're trying to do is go away from a centralized system like education institutions, who own all the information, owns education. To a peer-to-peer model, a decentralized system, and to be able to do this, you really have to leverage the ledger, the distributed ledger. So I'm very excited about this technology. I think it's really, really going to help companies, organizations, the people that we serve, especially in education, to really gain more power back. As industries are being disrupted by technology, the way we work has also changed dramatically. Instead of working in a maze of cubicles, working remotely has become a viable option. We spoke to Gabrielle Freda Low, former account director of Jabatical, based in Singapore, to share her views about the future of work. I think at the end of the day, with、uh, robots coming into、uh, the workplace, they I don't、mm-hmm. think they can actually replace all the jobs. And I believe、uh, Dual Lighthead and McKinsey have had extensive research where perhaps、uh, maybe fifteen percent or twenty percent of certain vocations they are more manual.、Mm-hmm. For example, a chef in the kitchen or someone else that's serving fast food. Yes, I think we can start seeing more robots. But I think with more robots also means That's more jobs created. So you know, like five years ago, there was no such jobs as、uh, data scientists or Android developers or even social media marketers. But now we have all these new jobs. So and I think in、yeah. every generation, we see more new jobs being created because of technological advancement. And personally, because I have two older parents at home, I can't be at home to look after them. But I think a robot or having some smart technology in within the house would really help me monitor. You know the mobility and even the help of my parents. So I I think we should embrace it and let's not be too pessimistic because I think things are actually going to move towards that direction. We can't change it, so let's see how we can make the best of it. I hope you enjoyed this episode on the best of season two. Do check out the episode that intrigues you most. We will be releasing season three soon, so keep an eye and ear out. 
for our new season. We are available on almost all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Overcast, and many more. Till the next time, continue to learn and grow in awesomeness. I'm your host, Ling Ling, and this is the Leaders of Learning podcast.